0: I want to say up front this morning the thoughts in my message and the reason for them will become evident in just a few moments. I'm going to look briefly at three passages. And in years past, and so far as I'm able to determine, the last time was in 1994. I took one or two of these passages, and I don't remember which, and brought a message on them on the same subject. And uh, frankly, I, uh, I prepared three messages for this morning. <clears throat> um, I didn't want to bring this message, but I was compelled. I feel like there's a great and urgent need for it. So that is the reason. Before we begin to get God's perspective on our lives, let's pray together. Our Father, may the Spirit of God be our teacher. I pray that you would guide my tongue and my words and the hearts and the ears of all who hear. Help us to be honest and true with the Word of God. Help us not to think that it's for somebody else. But help us to remember that you brought us to this place this morning. And you knew what would be said. And again, I ask for that ministry of God the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. These folks don't have to depend upon me. And we're all grateful for that. We depend upon you. This is your word. And your spirit is our teacher. He's the only infallible teacher. So we pray that you'd speak to us this morning from your precious word. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many people do we have here this morning who will admit... They are warriors, And I wonder how, how long the rest of you have had this trouble with truth-telling. <laughs> I'm teasing. You know, uh, I found out a long, long time ago, <clears throat> Christian people... Are some of the best people at disguising things in the earth? My thoughts this morning center around the subject of worry. But I know I have learned over the years, if I look a lot of people straight in the eye and say, Do you worry about things? they're going to say, Well, no, no, not really. But then if I ease back just a little bit, well, let me ask you. Um, do you have concerns about different things? Well, yeah, I do. In my vocabulary, concerns is a disguising word for worry. You worry about it, but you don't want to say, I'm a worrier. I, I have to admit that I'm a worrier, okay? Um, uh, I, I blame it on my mother. <clears throat> you know, we, that's another thing we do. We, we blame other people, right? <clears throat> I inherited mine. My mother, God rest her soul, sweet Christian lady, Sunday school teacher. Uh, but if my mother wasn't worrying about something, she worried that she wasn't worrying about something. Anybody like that this morning? Yeah, well, never mind. Uh, are you anxious about anything? Let me ask you this, okay? Are you anxious about the outcome of Tuesday's election? Well, if you're not, you just don't know the issues. (laughs) You ought to be. One of the, uh, I'll say this and then I won't uh, pursue it, but uh, one of the highest in office judges in the state of North Carolina said just a few days ago, we are one Supreme Court justice away from the moral fiber of America. Going totally down the drain. I worry, but since I know you don't, are you anxious about it? Sure. We know something about what worry is, okay? And and uh, forgive me, I haven't meant to distract you from my topic of worry this morning by the illustration, okay? Think with me about being a worrier. We know something about what state emotionally and even physically we are in when we are consumed with concern, anxiety, my word, worry. We know what kind of state that leaves us in, don't we? I chose not to focus on Luke 10 and Martha and Mary this morning, but we know what Martha's life was about. She was worried about a meal. Jesus looked into her soul and said to her, You are worried. Second word, you are bothered about many things. And therefore, she was frustrated. That's the gist of this text of of Luke 10. I think it's verse 38 down to verse 41. Scurrying about. Aggravated that she wasn't apparently getting enough done that she thought she needed to get done, so she told Jesus about her sister. Lord, can't you do something? To get my sister involved in this? It was the thrust of it worry? So we know something about the uh, state that worry leaves us in. But I'm afraid that one of the things we forget so easily is the divine side of this matter. I'm not here to talk to you about the the, the uh, anxiety uh, inwardly, the tumult externally. I'm not here to talk to you about those things this morning. Those are facts, physical things, physiological things. I want us to focus on the concerns that we have the worries that we have, and God's side of this, okay? If you have your Bible, would you turn with me, please? And as I said earlier, I'm going to use three passages of Scripture. Turn with me to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. And I want to share with you this morning how to cope with worry. And I've got three or four words for you, okay? How to cope with worry. Please keep in mind that God has all things at His disposal. He is the Creator. He is the Sovereign. He has all things at His disposal. There's nothing that He couldn't do if He chooses to do. That He might choose to do. So, when God, our Heavenly Father... In his inerrant word says, This will help you with, cope with worry, then that's what we need to do. Forget the over the counter stuff. This is what we need to do, this is what we need to be consumed with. And there are three passages. First is Isaiah 40. This chapter, now please, I, I sought for some other word to use for this first step in coping with worry. But it's used in the text. I can do nothing else other than use the word that's used in the text. Chapter 40 of Isaiah talks about the willingness to wait. I don't like that word. Do you? I really don't. And a lot of us are geared so that I don't want to wait to do this. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Any of you like that? We'll do this tomorrow. Tomorrow. The only thing I want to do tomorrow is yard work. I want to do that, and tomorrow I'd just soon say it, do it another day. Wait, wait is the first word in coping with worry. Isaiah forty verse thirty one is an old and familiar promise. It is a blessed promise, and I would I would wager that seventy, if I were given to wagering, I would wager that. Uh, 80 or 90% of the people in this congregation could, this morning could quote most of this verse. 4031 Isaiah. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not be weary. This verse needs to have the stage set for it. Uh, it is so greatly. Loved, memorized, that we forget there's a background to this. 4031 of Isaiah comes, is a verse that comes on the heels of an argument. The people of the land of Israel were arguing with the Lord God. They were, as it were, pointing their finger at God and wondering why he wasn't working. Look at verse 27, same chapter. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? The children of Israel were, as it were, I think, at least in in, in some way, maybe not uh, physically, but then maybe, pointing their finger at God and saying, don't you see what's going on? You're saying that your way, your walk in life, your situation in life, you're saying, he says in verse 27, that it's hidden from the Lord. And the justice that's due me, say, uh, this is what the, the children of Israel say the justice that's due me, I'm not getting. Forty twenty-seven. those are the words of a, a warrior. First of all, the warrior thinks, God's gone. God's not there anymore. So I have to take charge of things. God's absent. I can't feel him. I can't see him. He has hidden himself from me, but I'm here, so I'll have to handle things. Second thought of the warrior here is, who's going to take care of my rights? The Lord can't see me. The justice do me, the rights do me, escape the notice of my God. And in the midst of this debate, Isaiah writes in verse 28 Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of earth, does not become weary or tired. He is understanding, his understanding is inscrutable. I don't know that I had ever thought about this before to some degree because of the last verse of the chapter and and I'm afraid like a lot of people I just latched on to chapter 40 verse 31 and never did really put that into context and I don't know in all my years of being in the pulpit that I've ever put it together as the Spirit of God led me this past week Isaiah 40 is a chapter of questions. Let me show you. 40, verse 12. Go back to verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust? And I'm not going to go on. He's asking questions. Who's done these things? Now, the answer to all these questions basically is no one, okay? But the questions begin in 40, verse 12. Verse 13, verse 13. And I won't read all these questions. Just the first part of who has directed the spirit of the Lord. Next part of this is who's been his counselor. Drop down verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? Verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? How has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you, mis- have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Verse 25. To whom will you liken me? Verse 28. Here's the question Do you not know? Have you not heard? And I read the rest of that a moment ago. What's the point? What's the point? Verse 28 is all about, don't you know? And haven't you heard? Lift up your eyes. God is everlasting. And the point of the particular situation is these people are arguing with God. And Isaiah comes back, and the Word of God says, Your situation, whatever your situation is this morning, Whatever you are concerned about, whatever you're anxious about, whatever you are worried about, is not beyond the knowledge of God. It is not outside of His knowledge. He is the everlasting Lord. That means He is over all, He is above all, He is through all, He is in all, and He is certainly aware of our circumstances. Further. He's the creator, and therefore he has the power to handle our situations. I hope for many of you who have taken the last verse of chapter 40 as, your, as one that you just hold on to and cherish, that's a good thing. But I hope you will remember the context that it's in. All the questions that are put to Israel about the Lord, and every one of them has to be answered, no one. There's no one. The context is marvelous. Isaiah says, look up, look up. And going through his questions, he, he, he would say, what is God like? And his responses are, some of them anyway, he's creator. He's creator. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is here. He is full of compassion and goodness. He will never do you wrong. May I say that one again? He will never do you wrong. He will not turn his back on you when you need him. He may not move in our timetable, but you see, he's everlasting. We have our three score and ten, and we want God to move now. Isaiah says, God is everlasting. And I think the point there is, He will hear, He will answer, He is omnipotent, but He is everlasting. And He doesn't move on the timetable of mere mortals. He may not answer when we want Him to answer, but He knows, He will not fail. And to me, it gets better and better. Look at what he does with this great strength of his. Look at verse 29. The second word of the verse is a word of grace. Look at it. forty twenty-nine. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. A word of grace. He gives. You know, sometimes... Don't we think? Aren't we tempted to think? If I were just younger, if I were just five years younger, if I were 20 years younger, but let me say to you, youth is not what we need. Youth is not what we need. The youth, look at it. Verse 30. The youths grow weary and tired. Youth isn't the answer. Well, sometimes I think we say, if I were only in better physical condition, if my back just weren't in the shape that it's in, or if my knee wasn't in the shape that it's in. But you know, even the vigorous stumble. Look at your Bible. Second part of verse 30. The vigorous young men stumble. And then he adds Uh, another qualifying word, they stumble badly. So it's not youth, it's not strength that we need. What do we need? Answer? Verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now, I know that no doubt there's somebody here this morning. You tend to be a little bit impatient. And I have said the first step in coping with worry is to wait. And you maybe are thinking that there should be some profound new insight Some new counsel here to help me cope with worry. And you might not like this word, wait. But put chapter 40 into all of its context. The argument and this promise comes out of that argument. And the questions from Isaiah are cogent. They are important. But I know I've got clay feet just like you do. I don't know of anything harder to do than to wait. I would suggest to you that worry and waiting cannot peacefully coexist. And what I mean by that very simply is, if we're worrying, we're not waiting. And if we're waiting, we're not worrying. I don't think you can mingle those two things together going to be doing one or the other. Look at verse 31 again and and, uh, take this progression to heart. Those that wait gain strength. And then those strengthened will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. At the end of the day, you won't feel exhausted because you have worried all day and tried to work out your own plans in your own strength. Wait on the Lord. Calm yourself. Put the brakes on. Look up. He promises to give us strength. Second step in coping with worry. If you'll turn with me please to Matthew chapter 6. Again, familiar verses. A willingness to wait must be followed by, second word, commitment. Willingness to wait must be followed by commitment. Look at verse 24, Matthew 6, verse 24. Again, familiar verse. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God money or material possessions. We must be committed to the person of Christ and to His kingdom. We cannot be committed to Christ and to our possessions. Jesus gives a series of commands in Matthew 6 not to be anxious. And he spells out particular things. Don't be anxious. Five times he says that. Look at verse 25. Again, all these from Matthew 6. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, for your body, what you put on. Why not be anxious about those things? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Direct statement. Don't we ask? Verse 27. And which of you by being anxious? And we'll get to that again in just a moment. But the in. Implication in verse 27 is don't be anxious. Implication in verse 28 is the same. Why are you anxious about clothing? Verse 31 Do not be anxious then. Don't worry. I should have said this a moment ago. The word anxious in Matthew is the same word as worry translated in other places in the New Testament. Okay? So we're still talking about worry. Don't worry about these things. Verse 31. Don't be anxious then for saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? Uh, Verse 34 Do not be anxious for tomorrow. Three areas of life pointed out in verse 25 that we worry about what we eat, what we drink, and what we wear. I don't mind telling you, Hurricane Matthew blew through and. We are not on city water. So uh, power goes off, freezer, refrigerator go out, there's no water. Um, I'd be telling an untruth if I even hinted that I wasn't worried about that. And with, you know, my first thought was, well, that's okay. Um, uh, Bojangles will be open. I can make it. But then when you can't get to Bojangles because the tree's down and the road's closed, life is more than those things. Life is more than what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. All of us would agree to that. But Jesus illustrates that for us in what might seem to some of us is a rather childlike illustration. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds. Hmm. When was the last time you did that? And allowed that to relate to your worry? Jesus said, look at the birds. This is his illustration. It's not infantile. Look at the birds. Aren't you worth more than they are? Answer, yes. And God will take care of you. Verse 27 shows us that we worry about things we cannot change. 27. And which of you by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Now, there's some question at the end of verse 27, lifespan. Um, two thoughts come out of this verse, and, and, and I'll let you struggle with the interpretation. Uh, this is taken by some to mean um uh, your height. It's taken by others to mean your life span. But either way you can't change it. You ever talk to uh young fellows at Upward? Thought of some, I just wish I could be taller. I wish I could be six four. Can that little boy or that little girl change their height? No. But I've talked to a lot of little boys that are worried about it. What about your lifespan? You know, uh, God speaks about three score and ten in His Word. Let me ask you, can you make it three score and eleven? You can worry about it till kingdom come. You can't change that. But we worry about things we have no control over whatsoever. Please pardon my vernacular. I I, I only do it for emphasis. Ain't that a shame? You can't change it. Why worry about it? Why worry about it even if you could? But the point right now is you can't change it. So why worry about it? Verses twenty-eight to 30 refer to clothing. It seems to me the question here is, is God able to clothe all who belong to him? answer, yes. Yes. Again, another illustration. Look at the lilies. Look at the lilies. They don't toil, they don't spend, they don't work, but God fits them in a way that even Solomon couldn't do. Now, if God takes care of the lilies and the flowers that way, will he not provide clothing for his own answer yes then 634 therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself each day has enough trouble of its own you've already acknowledged that there are many in this room who are worried about tuesday and today's sunday we run way ahead you know what dear people Somebody in this room is going to say, Yeah, but and I know, I know, I know. But do you know that the Lord might come before Tuesday? Thank you. And if the Lord comes before Tuesday, so be it. And we've worried about it for nothing. And if he doesn't come, he'll still take care of it. Worry caused, sweet, godly, loving, Martha to scurry about. You know, folks, I've thought about this most of the week. We call God our Father, don't we? If you're a Christian, you call God your Father, and He is. But worry causes us to live as orphans. We call God our Father. And worry causes us to live as though we had been orphaned. Our need is to wait and our need is to be committed to the person of Christ and to his kingdom. You know, if I believe this, if all of us believe this, we'd be easier to live with. We'd be easier to get along with. We'd be better mates. We'd be better parents. We'd be better friends. God is our Father. He has never failed, nor will He ever. So we wait. And we maintain a commitment to the person of our Lord and to the kingdom of God. Wait. Commit. Third is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well, 6 and 7. Philippians 4. Turn with me there, please. Look at verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Same word. Anxious translated here. Worry is what it. Same word. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing doesn't leave us a whole lot of room, does it? Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made unto God. Third word, in coping with worry and how, wait, be committed, third, pray. Wait, be committed, and pray. At this juncture, drawing to a close with a message, one thought presses in on me, and that is we've got people seated in this room this morning that might. I'm not saying will. I'm not saying have. But I'm saying somebody here might (laughs) say or think. I'm glad, Pastor, encouraged us about this matter of worry this morning. I sure hope my wife will listen to that. Or, I sure hope my husband will listen to that. And you won't be brazen enough to do it. but there's somebody sitting here, there's some lady sitting here that wants to, did you hear that? Wait, be committed to the Lord Jesus and to his kingdom, and Pray. I want to encourage all of us, myself included. And I put myself at the top of the list in need of this. We need to get this message into shoe leather.
1: What good is it
0: to come to church and hear these things and, and then when you, when you leave, you forget them? Not about to put up in any of the shoe leather because I can't remember it. And I haven't taken the time to write things down. Three words you know what they are now? Don't look at your notes. Do you know what they are? Wait. Somebody tell me the second one. Amen. Commit to the Lord. And the third one is to pray. May I close with this thought? There is one person who, in my opinion, needs to worry. Needs desperately to worry. And that's the individual Who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. My dear friend, you better worry for all you're worth. Not that you're going to change anything. Unless worry brings you to the foot of the cross. You see, a person who doesn't know Jesus as Savior doesn't have a heavenly father. This old saw about the fatherhood of God is heresy. God is not everybody's father. He is the father of those who've trusted Jesus Christ personally. He is their father. They have the right to claim him. Father, I invite you this morning if you've never trusted Jesus, do it today. This church invites you to trust Jesus Christ today. And then for those who know the Savior, wait. Don't worry. Be committed to the Lord and to His kingdom. Don't worry. Pray. And don't worry. Will you do that? Let's pray together. Lord, whether we are absolutely candid or not, all of us worry about something. We smile perhaps when we read the story of Martha and Mary and think that we'd never be Martha in that situation, but we would. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for at so many times living, as though we were orphaned, as though we don't have a Heavenly Father. Forgive us, O oh God. Help us so to be willing to wait on you, to be firm in our commitment to you, and to pray that we won't be warriors. This can only happen by your grace, and by your enabling. We ask for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope your testimony is, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Greet our guests, visitors. We're glad you're here, and do honestly and firmly hope that you will come again. It's been a pleasure and a benediction to us here at Wake Chapel to have you worship with us. Craig Deal is our deacon of the day, and Craig's going to come and dismiss us. One word. um, Nominating committee will meet? Nominating committee will meet for just uh, maybe 10 minutes or so in the church parlor as soon as we're dismissed from the service. Craig, if you'll pray for us, please.
1: Pray with me, if you will. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the blessing of arising today, putting our own feet on the floor, and coming to your house to worship. That in itself is a blessing, another day of life, another day of opportunity to serve others, to receive your blessing, to work and worship together in your house, and we're grateful for all that you have given to us. Father, as Ross has reminded and challenged us today from your word, we just ask that you would help us not to worry. We ask that you would help us to wait. If we truly have faith, Father, that you will provide for our needs, then surely the the means and the timing in which you do that should not burden our hearts. Help us to be committed to you and to you alone, not to our own strength or To someone or something else, but solely and completely to you. And help us, Father, always to pray for all things, knowing that many things come into our lives, both good and bad, and often none of those things are permanent. We can seek to know you, to commune with you, to give you the glory and the praise to ask for relief for the, the deeds of others, to bring healing, all through prayer. And we just ask that you would commit us and convict us of the need to pray in all things and all ways each day. Father, we pray especially today for our mission of the week, Pioneer Missions, uh, David, Sonia Cram in Cambodia, as they continue to give their lives and missions, there, evangelism, discipleship and church planting father it's a great day thank you for giving it to us help us to use it in a way that's pleasing in your sight all things now we ask in jesus precious holy name amen